And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good day, Dan. And Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Good to be here, Dan. Well, gentlemen, it's good to have you here today on a Saturday in the studio. And uh, the question on our agenda today is concerning religious freedom and uh, various aspects to this question. And one is, at a higher level, what is the state of religious freedom in the world today, the entire world? And uh, in particular, what is the state of religious freedom in our own country? And I'm sure as we explore this interesting question today, other questions may surface. So um, who wants to take it from here? Well, I'll start with it, uh, Dan. Uh, In one sense, uh, we're going to talk about uh, political powers in relation, of course, to religious freedom. But there is a sense in which the scriptures remind us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In one sense, no one can take or give that. It is something that I have through Christ, no matter uh, if you're the Apostle Paul imprisoned or you are someone who is facing uh, a chopping block Hmm. by some evil uh, and wicked and blind zealots. But on the other hand, uh, we're really going to be talking about our religious freedom in relation to the powers that be that govern Hmm. us. Now, we know that uh, God has uh, ordered this world. He's put in charge these so-called civil magistrates. They're sometimes referred to as that. Um, Before on this program, a number of times we've made reference to Romans chapter 13 Mm -hmm. and the order that God tells us in that chapter he has established. But um, these orders sometimes get out of whack, um, depending on the leader, his heart, and the system that he's part of, he can really, or she can really, cause havoc upon the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think uh, that's why uh, when Paul wrote in First Timothy 2, he is urging prayers and supplication for rulers. But why? Well, for kings and all in high position, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Mm. If you read that and and understand it, a peaceful and quiet life, I think what Paul is really saying is that we might be able to evangelize without being thrown in jail every time, as as Paul was. Yes, uh, I'm reminded of uh, an English bishop one time who talked about the difference between his life and the Apostle Paul's. He said, uh, wherever the Apostle went... Uh, he was imprisoned. Wherever I go, they serve me tea. <laughs> so uh, there is uh, a real blessing the gospel has yeah. produced in yeah. many of our countries in the Western world. Right. And we must thank God for what has been gained uh, for sure. And uh, so we're thankful for a constitution, for instance, that is supposed to grant us and guarantee us the exercise of religious freedom. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a rare thing in this world. In fact, there's not much religious freedom uh, in this world. I I happened to look up, knowing we were going to talk about uh, this, I happened to look up the statistics about religious freedom in the Pew Forum. 
and they have an article there uh, which they track global restrictions on religion. And what stands out to me is that they say that 32% of the countries in the world have very high and stiff restrictions on religious believers. Now you say, well, that's one-third. Yes, but in that one-third, there happens to be nearly two-thirds, or three-fourths actually, 70% of the world's population. Mm -hmm. So now you think of that, uh, only approximately one-fourth of the world's population enjoys what we would say is truly a measure of religious freedom. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you put and made that point a measure of religious freedom. That three fourths is highly restrictive, and of that one fourth that remains that has a measure of religious freedom, how much of that is really free? Mm-hmm. Well, in the Pew Forum, uh, they go on to point out that sixteen uh, percent of that number uh, is fairly restricted, mm-hmm. not severely restricted. And only about 14 to 15 percent of the world's population has the kind of freedom that we have hitherto enjoyed up to this point. Yeah. So we have a lot to be thankful for here in our country. The majority of our listeners are stateside. At least up to this point in time, we have had uh, a substantial amount of religious freedom. Yeah, I think uh, that that religious freedom that we have had, too, has been very beneficial in our evangelizing the world. You know, because we have the freedoms in this nation, uh, we can be a sending nation. And, of course, God has blessed us materially as well. And that's the other thing, you know, and I don't know how hard I want to push this, but, you know, when you see a nation who honors God— as I believe we did in in the early parts of this nation, even though mm-hmm. we weren't officially Christian, if you will. I think we were certainly unofficially Christian. Oh, uh, no question. There's a, no there's question. A, but um, God prospered us. Yes. And when we understand our prosperity came not because we were so clever or because we had such good resources, but it was because of God's blessings, I think that's yeah. one of the things we need to keep in mind. Yeah, Mark, you also mentioned how that um, essentially America becomes a a launching platform for missions into this world. It's so very true. And uh, you feel that um, in in especially close and dear Mm -hmm. to your heart. And uh, before our break, share with our listeners what's happening or has happened in your immediate family. Well, our oldest child, our son Jeremiah, is a pilot with uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators, mm. and he he serves the Lord in, in uh, some of the areas in South America and mm-hmm. in the tribal areas, and we're just uh, really pleased, and he is great stories. He always oh, tells no. us, we, we, <laughs> I mean, they fall in all kinds of categories. There's great snake stories, but, but the greatest stories are those of people in the tribes, especially, of hearing the gospel and responding in a big way. Boy, I tell you, that's so true. And if you want freedom, mm-hmm. yeah, this isn't the only reason to come to Christ, but if you want true freedom, really, it's found in the Christian faith. When God frees you to worship him as his creation, 
when he brings you spiritual life, that is real freedom. Hey, we're up against a break here. Uh, Let's continue on the other side of the break talking about um, America as a launching platform for missions and specifically the religious freedom that we have had and perhaps still do have in America. Stay with us now. We'll be right back the other side of the break. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. We've been talking today so far about religious freedom, first in the world in general, and now more specifically here in America. And we talk very briefly how that having religious freedom uh, at the core of a country's life enables us to send forth missionaries and thus fulfill the Great Commission. And so God is very pleased with that. But uh, let's take it from there, gentlemen, and talk just a little bit about the religious freedom now here in America. 
Well, I think one of the reasons that we've had a strong tradition of religious freedom uh, can be traced back to uh, many of the revivals and great awakenings that uh, are part of the history of this country, starting with the Puritan revival, which was very early on when the Puritans came to America. They didn't Mm -hmm. come here to seek gold or fortune. They came here to be a light uh, to the nations, a city set on a hill. Yeah, that says something about their heart, doesn't it? They didn't yeah. come for, for gold. That's a good point. And um, we had uh, several great awakenings. The first great awakening uh, in the 1730s and 40s, many people think there would not have been an American Revolution without a revolution in the heart and soul and minds of people in the 1730s and 40s and early 50s. Yeah, in fact, Mark Diedrich here had been commenting on that in a previous program, and I'm pointing at him right now as you're saying that. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely believe that. You know, God prepared uh, the American Revolution by preparing hearts of people mm-hmm. in the First Great Awakening, and that that was it. And as Pastor Van said, we were definitely, the Puritans came to set up a city on a hill. Mm. And uh, I fear we become a city in a sinkhole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. And you know, the Second Great Awakening, which took place mm-hmm. in the latter part of that century and the early part of the 19th century, say up to about uh, 1810, uh, that was a great missionary movement. That's really mm-hmm. when missionaries got launched in Great Britain and America mm-hmm. uh, in the so-called evangelical revivals uh, yeah. uh, that began to take right. place. Yeah, I think, and one of the things that happened, I, and I think there was a great missionary movement even in the First Great Awakening and, and before, but I think there was a bit of a difference there. And I think the difference was uh, the ease of travel. You know, the ease of travel still was not, I mean, the pilgrims, when they came over, lost half their population mm-hmm. in that first mm-hmm. year, and, and most of them on the ship. Uh, one of the great Indian missionaries, I believe it was Thomas Mayhew, the Mayhews did a great deal on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, one of them was lost at sea going back over to England. And so travel became more and more safe after the Second Great Awakening. Therefore, mm-hmm. that spread out. But when you look at this nation, the Puritans did, in fact, evangelize the Indians. They set to, the tempo. To a very great extent. And mm-hmm. one of the latter Puritans, Jonathan Edwards, of course, mm-hmm. his uh, uh, son-in-law, David Brainerd, was a missionary to the Indians, and Edwards himself right. ended up on the frontier among the Indians, he missionizing. Was, yeah, he was at Stockbridge. Stockbridge. He was at Stockbridge. After he left Northampton, he went to Stockbridge, and it was only with a great deal of reluctance that he finally went down to take the presidency of Princeton. That's right. Mm-hmm. He only lived... Uh, a uh, couple months, I think. Yeah, I think I think his gut feeling was right. He should have stayed with those Indians at Stockport. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he died in a, in a noble way, trying That's to right. set an example for the students by taking a smallpox vaccine. Yeah. A, a vaccination oh, that went went right. bad on him. Yeah. about that. Yeah. Well, now we're talking here about religious freedom today here on a plain answer, and we've gotten to uh, some interesting characters in the history of our nation. And right away, it reminds me, hey, these guys had freedom to evangelize. They had freedom to express the faith, to go out, spread the gospel. Um, Mm -hmm. As we look ahead, gentlemen, uh, here we are. It's uh, 2010 already. As we look ahead and see what's coming down, and so we're not prophets, nor the son of a prophet, 
But um, what are some of the things that possibly concern you guys? Well, I think to see our concern, we need a bit of a uh, backdrop. And that backdrop, Mm -hmm. to me, would be found in our Constitution and uh, in the Bill of Rights, where it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, meaning that we would not have an official church like the Church of England. But it goes Mm -hmm. on to guarantee religious freedom when it says, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, we're talking here about religion. That's important. Yeah, I was just thinking, that points back to religion, doesn't it? Yes, not prohibiting the free exercise of religion. Hmm. Now, I I say that's important because religion is a very big term. It covers a lot of ground. Yeah, and that's very key. When you look at that term, uh, religion, it it covers so much, as as Pastor Van said, Not just your worship, not just what you do on Sunday, but it can cover how you raise your kids, your whole outlook on life, and uh, many other aspects of that. And so if you start meddling with the language, I think you get into trouble. We've had uh, a number of court cases, of course, through the years. Uh, uh, Interesting enough, this part of the First Amendment has been, in some ways, more troublesome uh, for the courts than any other aspect, and we have a whole uh, a body of case law that addresses what it means to have the free exercise of mm-hmm. religion, and uh, I must say that through the decades, particularly in the uh, 20th century and from the 1930s uh, on, there has been some restriction uh, on the First Amendment through what are called lemon tests and some mm-hmm. other kinds of tests or lemon tests. So there there has been in the last hundred years, uh, maybe 80 years, there have been some restrictions that I would think that uh, a, a good faith interpretation would say it's removed some of mm. our freedoms or eroded, let's put it that mm-hmm. way, eroded some of our freedoms. I, I would say that the, the lemon test is legally is a real lemon in and of itself. No <laughs> 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 doubt. <laughs> Uh, but uh, those court cases are prominent, and, of course, they become part now of the, the precedent and are always appealed to, and mm. uh, they present a problem. I don't think we'll ever go back to where we were, let's say, 100 years ago in, mm. in the kind of religious freedom we had. Now, has there been, current events-wise, um, things on the news that has caught your attention that leads you to believe that we continue down this slippery slope? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we've seen now is no longer a talking about among some of our key political officials about freedom of religion, but they have taken the term religion and replaced it with worship and start talking about freedom of worship. And notice what that does. That restricts it very narrowly. Now, you know what? This is very slippery because uh, as an evangelical, your first impression might be, oh, I want to worship God. I just don't want a dead religion. Mm-hmm. Why is this more dangerous? Explain. Well, religion uh, is is a word that, as I suggested earlier, Mark has just uh, commented on, is a comprehensive word. It covers not only what you do in your home, but what you do outside of your home. 
mm-hmm. uh, in the marketplace, in the public arena or the public square. It also is generational. It has to do with what you've inherited from your parents and your grandparents and what you mean to pass on to your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I have two, two daughters. Uh, I hope they do well in this world and they achieve something in terms of mm-hmm. fulfillment and work and those kinds of things, marriage, children. But the greatest thing I passed on to them is not the ability uh, or skill to acquire money, but I, I passed on to them my soul and mm-hmm. educating them in our most holy religion. Mm-hmm. So this word religion has specific freedoms attached to it more than just the word worship does Uh, you mentioned children and what kinds of things we can do with our children is seen in freedom of religion for example my wife and i we went to church we taught our children the christian faith john you just mentioned that with your daughters Uh, we happened to choose to homeschool but it was always teaching them basically biblical truth yeah and the problem with that it comes when you can have someone stand up and say well you have the right to worship but you don't have that right to teach your children that that's where it gets we're interesting going to, to, to take that away I, you know i thought about this one of the worst you ever thought about what is the worst thing that could ever happen to you you know loss of a spouse loss of a child mm. that's huge But I always thought the worst thing that could ever happen to me was that my children would be taken away Mm -hmm. and indoctrinated in some false teaching. That would tear your heart out. That That, that would scare me. That happened in Nazi Germany. It happened in Stalinist Russia. Mm -hmm. Yes. It happened in uh, Maoist China. Uh, And you know what? Uh, uh, Dan pointed this out. Didn't you say something about Charles Colson? Made a point. Yeah. Uh, um, I'd like to hear that. Yes, I've got it right here, in fact. Um, he had a commentary in one of his blogs, mm-hmm. and it was um, triggered by some remarks that Hillary Clinton made in a speech at Georgetown University. And in that speech, she talked about freedom of worship being a priority of the administration. And um, I would have missed it. But thank God, there's other people out there smarter than I. They caught this. And the administration consistently has been using the phraseology freedom of worship rather than religious freedom, as guaranteed by our Bill of Rights. So it appears to be an intentional watering down of our religious freedoms. Uh, Didn't he go on to point out that that, uh, China and Russia... Oh, in, yeah. In their dictatorships, granted freedom of worship, but not freedom of religion. It's true. Mm-hmm. Communist China and the Soviet Union allowed freedom of worship, but not the freedoms to share one's faith, he said, even with one's children, to private religious education, to share one's faith and ideas publicly, to participate in politics, etc. Status dislike religious freedom as it diverts people's loyalty away from the state, is the quote. Well, interesting. Uh, That's clear that uh, the shift in language could be ominous. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, it is. Because worship, if you talk about freedom of worship, you are maybe mm-hmm. uh, attempting to privatize religion and to take it out of the public arena. Mm. Moreover, to even go so far as in extreme cases of not permitting you to propagate your faith to your children. Yeah, and that's the, that's the concern. Yeah. That is the concern. Um, there was some other quotations here. Um, you know, homeschooling will be in great jeopardy. If, oh, yeah. And maybe that's kind of the canary in the mine to think about homeschooling. Yeah. If there are regulations that come down on it, uh, it means that the state wants the mind of your child rather than yeah. you yeah. Uh, being able to have the freedom to educate your children in your most it's, it's holy true. religion. There is a quote there. I just pass it over to you. Oh, Nina Shea at Freedom Maybe House. What a wonderful organization that. Freedom House is. <laughs> in fact, I would tell the listeners to turn uh, in their computers and, and check out two websites. One is Freedom House. The other is the Pew Forum mm. for Religious Freedom. But she has a quote here. Uh, she goes on to say, Mere freedom of worship excludes the right to raise your children in your faith, the right to elect your religious leaders, to carry out charitable activities, to evangelize, and to have religious education or seminary training. End of quote. Yeah, that that is so powerful. And I, I feel bad in one way because uh, we're up against the end of this show already. And so we we really have to continue this next week, I think. So uh, can you hold that thought for one week? (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Today Mm -hmm. we've been talking about religious freedom. We started off talking about in the world today and ended up specifically here in the United States of America. Much more to talk about, particularly regarding the shift of phraseology that's being used by the administration regarding our religious freedom. In the studio today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Sorry to cut it short. I see we're already out of time. Be sure to join us next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 